Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Word of Yahweh. You know, my name is Gabe and I am so happy to have you here. So, you know, it's the third Saturday of the month and you know what that means, a new episode. Like I said in the previous episode, in case you didn't know, every third Saturday of the month I'm going to be uploading a new episode talking about a new, a different subject and a new different topic, whatever I really feel like talking I, I still don't know what I'm going to talk about in, uh, in a month, but anyway, that's future Gabe's problem. So, um, in today's episode, as you might have already seen in the title of this episode, we're going to be talking about wisdom and foolishness. More specifically, about seven things that we can do to be wiser in our lives. And ultimately, that will make our lives better, because we all know that wisdom leads to... Uh, a prosperous life. But uh, before we start, I wanted to make a quick announcement, and that is that I have a TikTok account now for Word of Yahweh. I know, I I, I definitely wasn't expecting that. I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't know I, it was going to come to this, but I have a TikTok account because uh, I've had a, a, a personal TikTok account for a while now, and through that app, I've seen a lot of good, uh, a good Christian creators and a good, a lot of good Christian videos that have helped me quite a lot. And those videos seem to have a lot of popularity. I mean, those are people with a lot of followers, videos with a lot of likes. And so I thought that it would be a great way to promote this podcast and lead more people to listen to what I have to say here in the episode. And I thought it would also be a great way of answering questions and interacting with my listeners and talking about stuff that doesn't really require a full episode, you know, stuff that can be explained in a minute or two. So... Uh, so I think it's going to be very useful. So if you want to go ahead and, uh, and follow me uh, on TikTok, you can find me as Word of Yahweh. You already know that you can find me with that name in pretty much every platform, uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. So, uh, yeah, if you want to do that, if you want to want to go follow me, I would appreciate that so far. I've only made three videos, but that's pretty good considering, considering that I just, started the account like yesterday so uh it's not too bad it's not too bad and 11 followers 11 followers in two days that's not that's not bad either so uh yeah you can do that if you want to but i'm not gonna force you so um let's start with today's topic like i said it was wisdom and i thought about this topic about this subject because I, I realized that there is a very notorious lack of wisdom in the world. Like every day it is becoming more and more um, evident. It is becoming more evident. I mean, you can see that there is a clear lack of wisdom out there in the world, but not only in the world, but also in the church. And that's what concerns me the most. So... I know that as humans, we are a species that is in constant search for knowledge. We, we long to understand more about our environment, about our world, about our universe. And, and so in, in wanting to know more in many different uh, aspects, in many different areas, we have acquired much knowledge from many different disciplines and topics like, you know, science, philosophy, uh, literature, um, I don't know, economics, and so, I don't know, stuff like that, you know, but we, I feel like in the pursuit of knowledge, we have left aside or just kind of ignored the pursuit of wisdom, which I think is more important. And... I realized this because throughout my years as a Christian, I have learned that knowledge without wisdom is useless. Because wisdom guides you in your choice and brings prosperity to your life. And sometimes we have the knowledge, 
I mean, we know that something's wrong, but not the wisdom to obey. And what's more important, knowing that something's wrong or not doing what is wrong. So that's something that differ differentiates knowledge from wisdom. And many Christians are like, are, uh, I'm sorry, are lacking wisdom too. And like I said, that's what worries me. Because when I talk about knowledge, I'm not just talking about uh, knowledge like science uh, and, uh, and math and, and literature and philosophy and that sort of thing uh, that I was talking about earlier. But I'm also talking about biblical knowledge. I mean, a man can be very educated and knowledgeable of the Bible. I mean, you can know a lot about the Bible. You can know what the Bible says. You can know who was uh, Jesus Christ, what he thought, what, what he taught. You can know about the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you can know a lot about Hebrew and Greek and all these things that are good. I'm not saying they're not. They're good. I personally uh, like to know more and more and more about the Bible, uh, uh, and and I delight with it. It's it's, it's great. I, I I love it. But what I'm saying is that there is something that's even more important than that, and that is to have the wisdom to apply that knowledge in our lives, because it doesn't matter if we know about these things, if we don't practice them, if we don't have the wisdom to put those things into action. And that's what wisdom is for. So, like I said, knowledge without wisdom is useless because you can know all these things, but ultimately what matters is whether you apply them or not. You can know that Jesus came uh, to to earth to teach about all these things and you can know that adultery is wrong but it's not gonna matter if you commit commit adultery knowing that adultery is wrong I don't know if you see where I'm going with this so like I said wisdom is something that I that has me really concerned because of all these uh these all this lack this lack of wisdom that I'm seeing in uh, in the world and in the church today, and I wanted to give uh, a little testimony of mine on knowledge, and that is that you know when I started uh, as a Christian, when I became a Christian, I I started reading my Bible a lot, started investigating a lot about um about many different topics and ultimately i i learned a lot of things you know um from very different areas apologetics uh philosophy of of religion theology uh many things you know many things that i've that i have learned in that pursuit of knowledge of the lord but uh but after a while I, after after learning about all these things, I I felt like my heart was uh, being hardened more and more and more because the the knowledge that I had made me feel proud about myself. You know, I started looking down on people because I thought, you know, they're Christians, yeah, but they don't know as much as I do, and that that attitude of of arrogance. Uh, is something that came with that pursuit of knowledge and that desire of knowledge. And uh, and I want this to be a lesson to many people, for many people, because with knowledge, there is also the risk that you will end up uh, paying with humility, <laughs> you know? You, you give your humility in return of knowledge like you receive knowledge but you become prideful and that's not useful that's really not useful so i feel like we must not stop our pursuit for knowledge we we should long to know more about god know god a little bit better and know more about uh about him and how 
he exists or and how i don't know no just know him better in whatever you want whether that be science that be philosophy whether that be apologetics or simply just theology you know just reading your bible but like i said i was very interesting in all these these things and i started feeling so proud about myself really in all honesty I just thought that all the Christians who didn't know as much as I did were just ignorant. And it wasn't until uh, some time later that I started realizing how damaging that pursuit of knowledge was being for me. And it's not that I've stopped uh, learning stuff, wanting to learn stuff or pursuing that 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 knowledge, but I but I've become conscious that i need to keep my ego low <laughs> i don't know how to say it i but i need i i don't my pursuit of knowledge should not be a stumbling block for my faith that's what i'm trying to say so that's what happens a lot of the times. I'm sure it's not, I'm not the only person that this has happened to. So uh, I want you guys to take my testimony as a warning against pride, essentially, because knowledge brings power and power brings pride. And that's something that you need to control. So having said that, I'm going to start thinking, talking, I'm sorry, talking about the seven things that will make you wiser. And that made me wiser after the testimony that I just gave you. So, the first thing that you need to keep in mind, or the first thing that you should do is listen to your parents. Listen to your parents. It's something very, very simple. If you look at Proverbs, the, the, the book of Proverbs, um, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. And that's not the only passage that we find about this. We can also go to Proverbs 6, verses 20 and 23, where it says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you for the commandment is a lamp and a teaching and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life i know this might be hard for kids like for you know children listening to your parents cannot be easy i mean I, especially for little children but everyone who is who has parents and still living under their roof know that it is sometimes difficult to listen to your parents. But you have to understand that if the Bible tells you to listen to your parents, it's because God knows that the, the, the teachings and the advice that you receive from your parents are for your best interest. Your parents will never tell you something that's going to uh, damage you in any way. And that's what you need to keep in mind. That even though something's not the way you want it to be, it doesn't mean that it's good for you. And sometimes parents are better at, at seeing this sort of stuff than we are. Because they are a little bit more experienced. They have lived through many of the things that we are living through uh, living through right now. So they know what it feels like. And, and they certainly do know the consequences of certain things. So if the Bible tells you this, it's because God knows that your parents 
care about you, your parents love you, your parents want the best for you, and they know very well the consequences of some actions because they might have already committed them in the past and they don't want the same thing to happen to you. And once you realize this, it becomes a little bit more easy, like, like a little bit easier to, um, to listen to your parents and really take their advice. And I'm, and I assure you from my experience, every time my mom says something's going to happen, it happens. And every time I disobey her, something wrong happens, something bad happens to me. So I've learned it the hard way that <laughs> you really need to listen to your parents. I, I really don't know how she does it, but yeah, every time my mom says something, it, it happens. So I've <laughs> that's how I've learned to listen to her advice, and I recommend you do the same. So yeah, so the second thing now is to learn to see the lesson in the punishment. And what do I mean by this? Well, let's go to Proverbs, um, Proverbs chapter three, verses eleven and twelve, where it says, "My son." Do not despise the Lord's discipline, or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. So what is this saying right here? What this is saying here is, listen, like, do not reject that discipline that the Lord is doing for you. Do not that do not reject that. When the Lord tries to discipline you, don't reject that reproof because he reproves whom he loves. Because he's a father and we are his children. And a father must correct their children. Because what? Because they love them. And so we need to understand that whether it is uh, God or our own parents, everything, every reproof that we receive from them as an act of discipline is out of love. That's the first thing that we need to understand. The second thing, like I was saying, is learn to see the lesson in the punishment, because it is not you. It is not useful. It's totally useless if. You receive the punishment, you are being corrected, you're being disciplined, but still do not learn the lesson. It's not something good, because you're going to keep committing the same mistakes over and over and over again, because you don't want their discipline, you don't want, uh, you don't want their correction. The correction of your parents or the correction of God. So... Learn to see that lesson, because the sooner you learn that lesson, the sooner you learn what God or your parents are trying to keep you from, the sooner your life will start being better, and you will start feeling better, and you will start performing better. And I say that because that has happened to me as well. In fact, everything that I'm about to say to you is probably stuff that I've gone through. Every, everything, yeah, everything practically that I'm going to say here is stuff that I've gone through. And sometimes what happens to me is that uh, my mom or my dad correct me or even God in his, in his word corrects me of stuff that I'm doing wrong, but I keep doing it and I don't learn the lesson. And that only results in more bad things. So the sooner you realize that what you're doing is what is wrong, and the sooner you find a way of getting rid of that which you're doing wrong, the sooner your life will start to become better and you will start to prosper. So um, that's practically it with point number two. So let's move on with point number three, which is do not be wise in your own eyes. And I'm sure you know this verse. I mean, it's a very popular verse. 
but I'm going to read it to you anyway. And that is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So here I want us to remind ourselves about what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. Because if we go, if we go back and actually want to know what the, the reasons what the reasons that the Bible gives for the destruction of these cities is actually this exact same thing. If you go to Genesis, I don't have the exact passage, the exact verses, but it says that everyone was doing what they considered to be right in their own eyes. That's it. That's it. It never says that they were doing... Uh, it, it never says that they were doing it with bad intentions or, or I don't know. They were definitely doing evil stuff. But here's where the problem starts. The problem starts when we do evil things or wrong things that, that we consider to be right. Because if we uh, know that these things are right, we, we think... I mean, that these things are right, but they're actually wrong. Nobody, well, it, or it is going to be very hard to be convinced that what we're doing is wrong. And we're, and, and we're going to be doing this, this very same mistakes um, over and over again, because in our eyes, it's the right thing to do. So the Lord, knowing this, he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Because you, even though you might consider it to be good, it's not good. Especially for you. And what we need to understand is that if God tells us to not be wise in, your, in our own eyes, it's because we don't have the perspective that he has of things. That means that we might think that this thing is going to benefit me when it's actually not going to benefit me, it's actually this exact opposite thing, what's going to be beneficial for me, and the Lord knows that. But we cannot see beyond the present, and so we tend to make the wrong choices. But the Lord, He never makes the wrong choices because He sees past, present, and future all happening at the same time. He knows the consequences of everything. So when God tells you not to do something, it's not because he's trying to take away the fun of things. It's not because he's trying to ruin your life. It's not because, I don't know, you can say whatever you want about those things, but you have to keep in mind that that's not what's going on at all. What's actually happening is that he's protecting you from yourself, actually, from yourself and the evil around you. And, one, and once you understand that uh, God's not saying this because he wants to make you mad or because he, um, I don't know, because he just wants you to, to, to be all stressed out. And I don't know, you can say whatever you want. But once we understand that's not the purpose for uh, not for God telling us not to be wise in our own eyes, we are actually going to start to prosper because the decisions that we're going to start making are not decisions based on our own knowledge and our own limited sight or limited view of things, but are actually going to be based on the whole picture perspective that God has. And there is absolutely no way to go wrong with that. Absolutely no way. You might not like it. At the present moment, yeah, of course, you might not like it, but you have to keep in mind that everything is going to get better and everything that you do, if it's the God's, if it, if it aligns with God's will, is going to be beneficial for you. So that's the third point. 
don't trust your own moral standards. That's the third point. Do not be wise in your own eyes. It's the same thing as do not trust your own moral standards. Because your own moral standards can be flawed. Because they're very subjective. But when it comes to God, he is the objective moral standard. And it will prosper you. So, keep that in mind. Let's move on to the point number four. And that is, do not flirt with evil. Do not flirt with evil. What do I mean by this? All right, so what I mean when I say do not flirt with evil is don't let evil tempt you. And I'm not saying that you're not going to face temptation. I'm just saying don't stay in that temptation. And let's see the verses that talk about this and maybe it will make things a little bit more clear. So Proverbs uh, chapter 27 verse 12. It says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. And also 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 22, 22. It says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So, if we look at uh, these two verses that I just read, it talks about how when you see danger, you don't you don't stay there, you know? When you see stuff happening, when you see a, a building burning down, like in flames, you don't stay there. You flee from it. And essentially, that's what the Bible is telling us. If you see that you're being tempted with this or this or that, don't stay there and allow yourself to be tempted. Flee from it. And there are many, many, many different, many different scenarios and many different situations. But just, um, uh, I don't know. I, I can't think of an example right now. But I, but I, I hope you see what I'm trying to say here. If you're being tempted by something, okay. I, I just thought of an example. Let's say that you have a a, a cake in front of you. <laughs> But your mom specifically told you do not eat this cake. But you look at the cake and it looks so good that you're so tempted to just have a bite, you know, just have a little taste. Uh, so in this case, that would be the, the building in flames, right? So you're being tempted and you know that you're in danger because of that temptation, but you don't go anywhere. You're not fleeing. You're not escaping from it. You're just staying there. So if you stay in a building that's in flames and it's and it's about to, to collapse pretty much, I'm sure you're going to, to, to die. Or if you don't die, suffer pretty, pretty badly. <laughs> you're going to have some serious injuries. And that's what the Bible says here in this verse of progress. But the simple go on and suffer for it. So in that case, in the in the in the cake scenario, if you're there, you're being tempted, you want to eat it, you don't just stay there and stare at it, allowing yourself to be tempted. You you go to another room or you go, I don't know, watch some TV or whatever. You know, you just get away from that cake. Because if you stay there and allow yourself to be tempted, you are at some point give up to the temptation. So do not flirt with evil. That's what I'm that that's what it meant. That's what I meant by flirting with evil. And like and, and Paul says the same thing, like I already read to you in Timothy, 2 Timothy. He says, flee youthful passions. He doesn't say fight youthful passions. Or even though, yes, we do have to fight youthful passions, but I'm not in the sense to just stay there and, 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 and fight them thinking that you're stronger because you're not. You're not going to be stronger than your temptation if you are staying there, allowing yourself to be tempted. So what does he says? He says, flee, 
flee from it and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So that's pretty much it. That's that's pretty much my fourth point. That's that's what I wanted to that's what that's what I want you to keep in mind. So let's move on to the fifth point. <sighs> okay. Choose your friends correctly. Uh, and the reason why I think this is a very, very, very important thing to consider is uh because of the things that we're about to read here in these passages that I'm going to read to read from the book of Proverbs. So, the first verse is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. And it says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And the second verse says, Uh... A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. So what do I mean by choosing your friends carefully? You know, a lot of, to- a lot of times we don't realize that friends have a huge influence on us and who we are and how we act. And they and, and, and sometimes we don't see that or we don't want to accept that or we, or we just we just ignore it sometimes, I would say. But I want but I want you to keep this in mind. If you want to be wise, you don't walk with fools. You want to be wise, you walk with wise people. If you want to be a fool, then you walk with fools, but I don't think anyone wants to be a fool. And the Bible tells this, tells us this because God knows how influential friends can be in our lives, whether we want to accept it or not. And you know, I have a friend, a very close friend of mine, uh, that tells me that he asked me one day you know why why do you not want to get together with this person or this other person or this person and we were actually talking about that and he and 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 he, and he said you know you could learn a little bit from from this people you know I, I i and he said i think that we all can learn a little bit from everyone you know, so I try to be with as many people as we can so I can learn a little bit from every one of them, you know, and I and I think that's true. And I think that's true. I'm not denying that. I, I think that there's uh, bits of truth everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you can find bits of truth everywhere, but doesn't mean that just because it has a bit of truth, that's the whole truth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But still. He, that's that's the point that he made. You know, I, I like having a lot of friends because I feel like each and every one of them uh, gives me a little bit uh, in return, gives something to me in return of our friendship. So I learn from them stuff. So I want to have as many friends as I can. But me, on the other hand, I am not very social. I have a very close circle of friends i mean the ones that i would really call friends are like 10 people no more than 10 people uh because i am very uh i'm very selective in in that aspect and and he (laughs) my friend in there he has like i don't know like 2000 friends or something like that but i don't have more than 10 but I think the problem with this line of thinking, the the what my friend said to me this this time, this one time, is that um, when you start getting together with uh, different types of people, let's say someone, let's say people that 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 go out partying and drinking and yeah, I don't know, do do drugs or um, like to, you know do stuff that's not right, that's not according to the word of God. When you start getting together with these people, you start adopting many of their, many of their uh, 
personality, of their habits, of their of, of their ideologies, of their lines of thinking, and 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 they kind of like change you in a way. You're changed by the people that surround you, and that's why the Bible talks strongly against getting together with people that are not gonna uh, lead you, that are gonna be of help to you in your journey of sanctification. So I personally, I have Christian friends, people that I can really call friends because I trust them, because I feel like they can help me and I help them. Whenever I feel down, they pick me, uh, they, whenever I fall down, they pick me up. We, we support each other. We pray for each other and we have, we, we help each other because we all have the same goal. We have the goal of being, of each day being more like Christ, each day being a step closer to the perfection that Christ lived and, and being sanctified more and more each day. And because we have those goals in common is that our friendship works. Because if we didn't have that in common, I feel like it wouldn't work. And I'm not saying... Don't be friends with non-Christians. I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's a prohibition. I, I I don't think that that's something bad necessarily. But I do warn you against getting together with people and calling and and calling them. Fr no, I'm sorry. Getting together with people that go to the exact opposite of your beliefs and calling them friends. Because I've known a lot of people, but that that are like that, and, and they're they're good people. I like them in certain in certain aspects. They're funny. They sometimes uh, I don't know. I don't know. They 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 are not bad people. Like they're not people that you wouldn't want to get uh, to know. That's what I'm trying to say. They're fun people, but still, I feel like. Uh, they go. They they aren't exactly what I want to be, and if they're not what I want to be, I'm not gonna walk with them. Because if I want to be wise, I'm not gonna walk with fools, like the Bible says. So, I have a lot of acquaintances, but only few friends, and I feel like that is the message of the Bible. When it comes to this, when it comes to the, the, the topic of friendship, the Bible, I believe, talks about keeping it as small or close as possible. Because like we read in Proverbs 18.24, it says a man of many companions may come to ruin. It doesn't say just because you have many friends, you're going to go to ruin. It says may come to ruin. If you have many people that you call your friends and don't select and are not very selective with them, some of them might just not be who you thought they were because you didn't do your research in a way. So you may come to ruin with that. So I think the Bible does advise against just Uh, calling everyone you get to know your friend. I don't think that's very wise. I don't think the Bible considers it to be very wise. Because it says that not only a man of many companions may come to ring, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So if you don't have this type of friends that stick closer than a brother, I don't think the Bible says that they're friends that are worth your time. So this is, I think this is the point where I have talked the most, but I think that I, I feel like it's the, the, the most necessary to talk about. Um, and I encourage you to really just think about your personal relationships, think about your friendships, your friendships, and if they are really helping you become the person that you want to become, if they're really people that you can trust if they're really people that you know will help you you know just keep that in mind word of advice don't call everyone again don't call everyone you meet your friend they might be acquaintances but 
keep your friends as close as possible. Just the minimal amount of friends as possible. That's what I would advise. So, uh, sixth point. So, the sixth point here is know that your words have power. I feel like this is something that people are forgetting the most today in, in our society and in the church as well. The church as well. Why? Because there are, throughout the Bible, many verses that talk about the power that lies in the tongue. And many people don't realize that the words that they speak are very, very powerful. You might consider them powerless, but that doesn't mean that they're not, that they're not powerful. So, just to give a few examples, let's read Proverbs uh, chapter 10, verse 11, where it says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So, you, you see right there that in the mouth is life, but also violence, right? And it all, not only that, but it also says related to what I just read, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And then in Proverbs 10.19, it also says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrain his lips is prudent. So what did this mean? What is God telling us in this uh, verse right here? Basically, we need to keep in mind that if we are talking and talking and talking, at some point we're gonna be, <laughs> we're gonna commit commit a transgression, and is and this is mostly due to the fact that sometimes when we're when we're in an argument or when we are in a in a discussion. We always want to be the ones with the last word. Always, always. We always want to be the one that ends the argument, that ends with uh, the discussion. And that leads us to say many, many things because no one wants to give up. No one wants to give up. So you say something, I say something, you say something, I say something. And it, it's not going to stop until that, until that transgression against that person is committed. committed. And that's why the Bible says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So what is saying when you're? What is the saying when you're in an argument and you are uh, in in and you're and you see that that person is not stopping? Sometimes you just have to be the bigger man, you know. You just have to uh, be silent, restrain your lips, don't say anything. It might enrage you a little bit not being able to be the one who ends the discussion, not be able to be the one with the last word, because that's what we always want. That's what we always want. I know that. But it's going to feel like, ugh, you know, like, I don't, want to, I don't want to lose, because it feels like you're losing, right? But the Bible tells us it's the best thing to do. Just shut up, <laughs> you know, be silent. Uh, restrain your lips because that is what makes you uh, prudent. And then there, and then the, there is this other verse in Proverbs in Proverbs twenty one twenty three. It says, "Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble." You know, if you don't have anything good to say, just don't say it. So. Pretty basic stuff, you know, pretty basic stuff that is in the Bible that we, I'm sure we unconsciously know about, but willingly ignore it, willingly ignore it. But not only in Proverbs are these sort of verses found, but also in other books. For example, the book of James, in James chapter 1, verse 26, it says, 
If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And not only that, but to make things a little bit more clear, James also goes on to say in chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. So James is essentially saying here, hey, you know how we put bits into the mouths of horses so we we can tell them where to go, like left, right, uh, stop, move forward, and all those things. It's the same thing with our mouths. The, and the bits that we put into our mouths are our words. And our words are going to tell us if we go right or left or forward or we just stop. So the words have the power to guide our lives, guide our whole lives, just like the bits in the mouths of the horses has the have the power to guide the whole bodies of the horses. So James says, your words are going to guide your entire life. So be careful with what you say. And he also gives the example of the ships. They are so large. They're so large, but by a small rudder, they can be go wherever the pilot wants them to go. So it's, it's a very small thing that guides the whole thing. So it's your tongue, such a small thing, guides your entire life which is a big thing. So he says, be careful with the words you say, because a forest can also be set ablaze by such a small fire. It only requires a spark, just something as little as a spark to set a whole forest ablaze. That's what James says. But let's go on to hear what Jesus had to say about it in Matthew 15, 11. He says, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. In other words, it doesn't matter what you eat, but it does matter what you say. And it matters a lot. It mattered a lot to Jesus. It mattered a lot to James. We can see that it mattered a lot to Solomon as well. And Solomon... you. So you guys know was the wisest man in the Old Testament. So words are not something to be um, underestimated because they hold great, great power. And we need to be aware of that. And once we become aware of the power that our words have, we're going to start saying uh, saying things that will actually build instead of destroy. So you see how all of these advices and all of these points that I'm giving to you are just, just have to do with one thing. Be conscious of what you're doing. Be conscious of who you're letting in your life. Be conscious of the words that you're saying. So we don't, ultimately, it just comes down to being conscious about these things. That's what wisdom is, being conscious about the consequences of doing this or doing that. That's what it ultimately comes down to. So point number seven, and this is the last point. Do not be proud. Do not be proud in this. <laughs> and like you already, uh, as you already know, this, this had to do with my personal testimony that I gave at the, at the uh, beginning of the episode. And I tell you, don't be proud. 
it's not good. It's not going to lead you anywhere. Really. Let's listen to what the Bible says. Here in Proverbs 13.10, it says, By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. So this is the last point that I want to make. With this, 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 this last verse. And if you truly want to be wise, I'm going to tell you, take advice. Not only from what I heard, not only from what I uh, said today, with all these points that I made, but also from people close to you. Take advice. Do not think that you're better than everyone else. Do not think that you know better than everyone else. Sometimes people, other people know better. And the best thing that we can do, the best decision that we can make is to take their advice. So right now, the, 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 the wisest thing to do for you is to take advice on, what, on, on everything that I just said, according to Proverbs 13.10. So, um, I think that's it. I think, that, I think that's a whole episode. So, uh, thank you guys so much for everything that you guys uh, do, for everyone who is listening. I really, really do appreciate everyone Uh, that takes the time to listen to what I have to say. I know that sometimes it gets a little bit boring. Sometimes, you know, it's not very interesting. Sometimes not maybe for you, but I really do appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen. Um, and I'm grateful for that. So uh, with that said, I guess that would be it. Like I said at the beginning of the video, go uh, the episode, I'm sorry, go follow me on my social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok now uh, with the username of Word of Yahweh. I mean, that's how I, that's my username in every social media platform. So just look up Word of Yahweh and uh, yeah that you will find me so anyways have a great day guys i hope to see you all in a month when i uh when i do this next uh episode but meanwhile i'm gonna be like i said uploading stuff to to twitter to tiktok and instagram and you know that sort of thing so i really do recommend that you go follow me And um, yeah, that's it. So have a great day, guys, and may God bless you and your families always.